Today's daf is Kaf Bet in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We are four lines down from the top of Kaf Bet Amud Aleph at the new Mishnah. If a father and son both see the new moon, they should both go to the Bedin. Not because they combine together into one group, because of course, close relatives are not allowed to testify together. But if one of them becomes Pasul, because in the questioning, they are tripped up and they're not able to have their testimony counted. The other one, <coughs> either the father or the son, will be able to join with another witness and uh, give the testimony. According to Rabbi Shimon, a father and son and all relatives can actually combine for testimony about the new moon, seemingly because the only time that it's prohibited is when there's some criminal thing involved or some monetary matter involved. But when it comes to testifying about the moon, a father and son can testify together. There was a story with Tovia, the doctor, he saw the new moon in Yerushalayim. Was he? His son, and a former slave, in other words, a freed slave. Not a current Evid, but somebody who was once an Evid and was freed. So the Kohanim, who were at the first, basically the first uh, gatekeepers of the Bedin, uh, accepted him and accepted his son, but did not accept the former slave because they thought that you had to have Yichus, you had to have some family lineage in order to be a witness, but they thought that two family members could be witnesses together. When it actually came to the Bedin, they accepted Tovia uh, Harufei and the former slave, because there is no requirement of family lineage to be a witness, but they, they held that uh, father and son cannot testify together, so they did not allow the son to testify. Amr Rabbi Levi, Rabbi Levi, said, What's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon that he says that a father and son could testify together about the new moon? When Moshe and Aaron receive the mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon in Eretz Mitzrayim, it says, It says, This month shall be for you, the first of month. Take Shirabachim, which means this testimony is kosher with the two of you, Aaron and Moshe, even though they're brothers, could be witnesses to the new moon. Rabbanan, what did the rabbis say? It doesn't mean that they can be uh, witnesses uh, together because they would not be allowed to be witnesses together because they are brothers, but what it means is that they'll be in charge of overseeing the uh, process of the new moon, the declaration of the new moon. Rashi says, It doesn't mean that uh, you can have close relatives testifying together. What it means is that the people who are the heads of the community should be in charge of the process of receiving the testimony and determining when the new moon is. And therefore it was addressed to Moshe and Aaron, but not because they could actually be witnesses together. The end of the Mishnah quoted, Rabbi Yossi telling us a story about Tovia Rufei where he was accepted together with the uh, freed slave but not with the son. Amar Avchanan Barava Hilchetak Rabbi Shimon. Avchanan Barava said the law follows Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon in our Mishnah says that close relatives could testify together. Amar Ravunah Ravchanan Barava Ravunah said to Ravchanan Barava Rabbi Yossi Umasev Adam Ratilchetak Rabbi Shimon. We have Rabbi Yossi reporting to us an actual situation that happened, and you are telling me the law follows Rabbi Shimon. The actual situation that happened contradicted Rabbi Shimon because in the story of the uh, Rabbi of Tovia Rufei, they did not accept him and his son together. Amar lo, he said, Vazim nintzagin amrit kamed rav elchetak rebi shimon velamidi. He said, but many times I said in front of Rav that the law followed Rabbi Shimon and he never objected. So why are you objecting? He said to him, what was your text in the Mishnah? He said it was the opposite. In other words, in his version of the Mishnah, it had Rabbi Shimon saying that close relatives could not be 
uh, testifying together, and Rabbi Shimon being the one who recounted the story in the, about Tovia Harufe, where the father and son were not accepted together. So Amar Tavei Borei de Morei Tavei Amar Marukva Amar Shmuel Lechatak Rabbi Shimon. So in that case, in other words, the Amar Le Mishum Achilo Amar Lach Belo Midi. So because. Uh, I skipped the line because, uh, in other words, because you had a different version of the Mishnah where Rabbi Shimon is the one telling the story and Rabbi Shimon is the one who's saying that wit- that that close relatives cannot be related, uh, cannot be uh, witnesses together. Um, so that's why uh, when he said that Lachafel Rabbi Shimon, he accepted it because in that version of the Mishnah, uh, Rabbi Shimon is the one who's bringing the story about how close relatives were not accepted. That's why he said that Lachafel Rabbi Shimon. Uh, or according to the version of the site, says in So the depending on which Rabbi Shimon you take, if you take the Rabbi Shimon in our Mishnah, which says that close relatives can combine together for testimony about Rosh Chodesh, so then uh, the halacha would not follow Rabbi Shimon. But if you hold like the version that's mentioned in the Gemara here, where they have it switched, and Rabbi Shimon says that a father and son cannot count together. Uh, for testimony regarding the moon. So then the halacha would follow Rabbi Shimon. The Mishnah says, Eloin Absulin. Who are the people who are invalid for testimony? The gamblers. People who lend money on interest. People who race pigeons. People who do business with produce of the seventh year of the Shvi'it. And also slaves. This is the rule. Any testimony that a woman cannot give. They also cannot give, the, the people in this group cannot give. Now, what, are, what do these uh, individuals have in common? What they have in common, most of them, except for the Evid, which is the last one that doesn't really fill in, fit into the other ones, because the Evid is actually Pasume de Oraita. The slave is, uh, is invalid um, as a uh, witness in, from the Torah. The other ones on the list are all rabbinically prohibited, such as the gambler. The gambler is either because he is considered stealing, because uh, really... Um, only rabbinically considered stealing. He doesn't actually pull money out of the other person's hand, but whenever you make a bet, you think you're going to win. So when you lose, it's as if the other person is stealing from you. That's called asmachta la kanya, that, uh, that it's not a real kinyan, because you didn't really, it was not a real acquisition on the part of the person who wins the money, because the person who loses never really meant to part with the money. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is it's talking about really a career gambler who contributes nothing to society, and therefore has nothing to lose, and therefore cannot be a, a, a witness. Midarabanan. Also people who lend money with uh, interest, that the fact is that even though it's not really considered stealing either, because the person gives it willingly, the fact is that he's doing something to make money, which is against the Torah, so we don't trust him. Mafichayonim are racers of another type of gambling. They race uh, pigeons for money. And the people who do business with the Shavuit, they're not supposed to do uh, business, be selling uh, the uh, selling the uh, Shemitah produce, and therefore, if they are, we don't trust them for uh, for um, testimony in the Bedin. These are only Dorabanan because they wouldn't really necessarily disqualify them. Midiawaita, and Tosfot explains it. We're talking about Shvi'id Bazmanazeh, where it is uh, of a rabbinic nature. Um, or we could be talking about where it is a, um, where it's a biblical Shemitah, but where the uh, prohibition involved is only of a rabbinic nature. So the point is that in all of these cases, we're talking about people who violate the Rabbanans in order to make money, and therefore, mid Rabbanan, they are pasul for Eidut. The only one who here is biblically uh, invalid for uh, testimony is the slave. And then it ended off by saying that any Eidut that a woman cannot give, these people cannot give. So, there are, so the Gemara says, shirala, avin shirinla, so which implies that if a woman could give the testimony, then they could also give the testimony. Amar avashi, zotomeret, gazant divrayem, kashel What that comes to tell you is that 
somebody who's rabbinically uh, disqualified from testifying because he engages in a rabbinically recognized type of a stealing, a rabbinically recognized violation that is not of a biblical nature, so then he can be accepted for the uh, type of testimony that a woman could be accepted for, which is, for example, to testify that a man died in order not to leave his wife in Aguna. If she doesn't know what happened to her husband and she's stuck married to him and she wants to remarry, move on with her life, and she has no proof that her husband died, um, a woman could come testify that he died and that would be sufficient, or she could testify um, on w- that a woman uh, engaged in an inappropriate activity when she was secluded with a man um, so-, so that she wouldn't have to drink the waters of the sota which is only done when nobody knows what went on behind closed doors. But if even a woman knew what went on behind closed doors, she could stop the accused woman from drinking the mesota. Of course, the woman would have to then get a divorce from her husband because she's being told that, uh, that she did commit the, the adultery and she doesn't need to drink the mesota. But the point is that even a woman's testimony in that case is admitted in court. Now, um, th- this is only true of those who are rabbinically uh, prohibited to give testimony. Um, as Rashi says, that a, a that one who is a who engages in biblically prohibited stealing and other violations would not be accepted even for edut isha even for uh, matters of uh, releasing an aguna or for uh, the situation in which um, we're trying to ascertain what happened behind closed doors with a suspected sota. We wouldn't accept testimony from people who are known criminals, basically. But a slave and a woman, we would accept them, even though they're generally pasulme de waita in other cases. They are not accepted as witnesses in other cases. They're not not accepted because we think that they are liars or we think that they are uh, not trustworthy. It's It's a decree of the Torah that they're not accepted in those cases. And when the rabbis wanted to accept them, they did. The next Mishnah, which has no Gemara on it, very interestingly, last Mishnah of the Perk, Mishnah, if a person saw the new moon, but he can't walk, they could take him on a donkey, even in a bed, and if there are robbers on the way, they could bring with them sticks to defend themselves, and if it's a far distance, they could take uh, even food in their hands, in other words, all of these things would normally be violations because of carrying on Shabbat outside of uh, any kind of enclosed area, um, they're carrying the food, they're carrying the sticks, they're carrying the person, or they're even uh, riding on a donkey, and so on. All of these things would be violations of Shabbat, some rabbinic, some biblical, but the point is they're allowed to do whatever is necessary to get him to the Bedin. Because on the travel of night and day, meaning if the person saw the moon at night of Shabbat, and he has to get there by the next day, he's allowed to violate the Shabbat to do so. Um, and you can go out for the testimony about the new moon. Because it says these are the holidays of Hashem that you must declare in their proper time, meaning that you need to make sure to get the testimony to the Betin uh, as soon as possible, even on Shabbat. And even if there are additional uh, violations of Shabbat that are secondary, not just the travel itself, but other secondary violations, things you have to carry or people that have to carry you to get there, still you're allowed to do it, whatever's necessary to make sure that the testimony arrives at the Beit as soon as possible. That is the conclusion of the first parak of Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We open with the second parak. If the person who comes as an, a, a witness for the new moon comes to the Beit and they don't recognize him, you need to bring, he needs to bring somebody else with him 
Um, and this, Rashi says, Bedin the Bedin of the city where the person came, comes from, should send somebody with him to testify that he is in fact a kosher witness, otherwise the Bedin in Yerushalayim won't recognize him. And in the beginning, they just would take testimony from anybody who showed up in the Bedin, and they would just trust whoever came. However, the Baitusim, those who were against the rabbis, against the oral tradition, and wanted to undermine their system of Kiddush HaChodesh, they started trying to mess with it by sending in people who are not really genuine witnesses to mess up the calculations of the rabbis. And so the rabbis had to make a new standard that you need a, a witness to ratify the uh, validity of the witness uh, who is giving testimony if the Betin doesn't recognize him. The Gemara says, My akhir. What does it mean that another person has to come with him to testify who he is uh, before the Betin? Chad, that implies only one person. Meaning, if I'm going from a, a, uh, another town to Yerushalayim and the, and the Beddin in Yerushalayim doesn't know who I am, I need to bring one person with me to testify that I'm a kosher witness. But the thing is, since when do we rely on one witness? If we have a, uh, in another uh, uh, source, we, we learned in a Brayta that a certain, uh, a certain person came on Shabbat to the Beddin to testify about the new moon and he brought Edav, he brought Two witnesses with him, not one. What does it mean another person has to come with him? It doesn't mean another person. It means another pair of witnesses. And that makes the most sense. Because if you don't say that, Right, so what it says, if they didn't recognize him. What does it mean they didn't recognize him? If you're saying that it means one. Okay, so then. Mishpat ketiv it says it's a it's a judgment. In other words, determining the new one is a judgment. In other words, just like when we're talking about the Bet Din in Yerushalayim verifying that this witness is a kosher witness, it doesn't just mean one witness, it obviously means two witnesses because there, you can only, it's a mishpat, it's a judgment that has to be executed based on two witnesses and to determine the Rosh Chodesh has to be determined by two witnesses, right? So when it says, when it says, uh, um, when it says they don't recognize him, it means they don't recognize the pair of witnesses. And when it says that he has to bring with him somebody else, it doesn't mean one person, it means that the pair of witnesses that's coming has to bring another pair of witnesses to testify about them. Is that really true? That one is not enough? It says that one time Rabbi Nawai had to go with another witness, a witness was going to testify about the new moon, and Rabbi Nawai went with him, Bishabbat, uh, he had to go with him to Usha on Shabbat in order to testify that he was a good witness. So you see that one person, Rabbi Nawai, was able to do it. Amrei, Rabbi Nawai, Really, Rabbi Nawai had another person with him. It wasn't just him. It just mentions Rabbi Nawai because he was a very big, important person. It doesn't mention the other person who went, but really there was two people. The Chidush actually wasn't that Rabbi Nawai went with another witness, but there was another person in Usha that knew this witness. Rabbi Noai came and he knew that there was another guy in Usha who could back him up as well. Rabbi Noai went knowing that the other person in Usha would be able to back up his statement and therefore there would be two witnesses testifying to the kashrut of the witness who was actually testifying about the memra. What's the reason for saying it? Meaning, why do you have to say uh, why do you have to bring in this all together? So, it comes to tell us that that is in fact the case. In other words, that even though Rabbi Noah might have said, well, listen, I, don't, I, I know there's another guy in Usha who can back up my testimony, so I'll go and I'll testify that so-and-so is a good witness and the person in Usha will also testify that so-and-so is a good witness and he'll have two witnesses to back it up. But the only thing is, maybe he won't be there. Maybe the other witness isn't actually going to be there and I'm going to have traveled on Shabbat for no reason. And since there's a doubt whether he's going to be there, maybe I shouldn't go 
So the answer is no. Even though you're not 100% sure that the other guy is going to be an Usha, you know that you'll be necessary if he is there, so you have to go. That's the Chidush. But really you have two witnesses who need to testify about the Kashrut of the witnesses who are testifying about the moon. If the Betin doesn't know them. When Ula came, he said, He said, they, all, they, they sanctified the new moon in in the West, in Israel. Not only Ula, who is a great man, the man that we would believe in, anybody we would actually believe. Why? Because anything that's going to become known, people don't lie about. In other words, you, can, you can't lie that the moon was the, the new moon was declared in, in Israel because eventually it'll catch up with you that that wasn't the case. So we, we can, tr- not just Ula that we rely on, but anybody who testifies that the Bedin in Yerushalayim declared the new moon, we can believe him. Even if somebody came from the end of the earth and said that uh, uh, that the Bet Din made the, uh, you know, declared the Rosh Chodesh, he'll be believed. Why? Because it's something which eventually becomes known. And since it becomes known and comes to light, eventually you can't get away with a lie. And therefore we would rely on anybody who testified that they saw that, even one witness. In the beginning they used to accept testimony for any, from anybody, but eventually they had to put in some safeguards to verify the witnesses before accepting a testimony. What was actually the trick that the Baitusin tried to do? One time the Baitusin wanted to mess up the Chachamim's calculation of the calendar. They hired two people with 400 Zeus. They gave 200 to each of them. One was a fellow Baitusin and one was a rabbinic Jew. Okay, They hired these two people to go. Okay, so what happened? The one who was a bite to see told his testimony and left. Then ours was left, meaning the, the guy was secretly on the rabbi's side but took the money, okay, came into the bet. They said to him, They said to him, Tell us how you saw the moon. He said, I was going up. I saw it crouch down. I saw the moon crouch down between two rocks. Or shodom el Its head looked like a calf. Or no dominic di. Its ears looked like a goat. Karnav domot litzvi. Its ears, uh, its horns looked like a deer. Uznavo monachad ovenkerechotav. And its tail was between its legs. Veitzad stibo v'nirtati. And I looked at it and I fell back. I was shocked. V'napad lachowai and I fell backwards. And if you don't believe me, the story that I saw this crazy vision of the moon, here are the 200 zoos in my pocket, in my uh, in this cloth that I received for saying this false testimony. They said to him, me his who got you to do this? I heard that the Baitusim wanted to fool the rabbis. So I'll go and pretend to be an informer and a, and a double agent. And uh, I'll, I'll act as a double agent, basically, and say that I'm going to help the Baitusim. And I'm going to let the rabbis know. Because otherwise, somebody who is unscrupulous will end up getting involved and actually would, would have fooled the rabbis. So I wanted to bring it to light, bring it to your attention. I said that. First of all, you can keep the 200 Zeus that you received, even though it was accepted on false pretenses, but we're giving it to you as a gift because the Betin, of course, can mafkir uh, anything. They can declare it ownerless and give it to him. The person who hired you, yeah, he has to be stretched out on a pole for flogging. From that moment on, they made a rule that you can only receive testimony regarding the new moon from somebody whom we recognize. If we don't recognize them, 
we cannot accept the testimony because of the potential for uh, this kind of uh, funny business that there would that the baitosim or whoever it was would try to mess around with the calendar. Now Rashi says that specifically what they wanted to do was they always wanted to make sure that Shavuot would fall on. Uh, on Sunday, because that was the belief of the Bait Tosim, that, Sh- that Shavuot always had to fall on Sunday, that the Sfirat Omer always begins on a Saturday night. So therefore they wanted it to be that, uh, so if it happened, um, that one time it happened that the 30th day of Adar fell on Shabbat, and really it would have been pushed off. Uh, the Rosh Chodesh would have been pushed off. They want the first day of Pesach to be on Shabbat, so that way the Omer will be brought on Sunday, and Shavuot will be on Sunday. So they wanted to make sure that uh, they wanted to say that the, uh, the, to, the, even though on the 30th day, which is the first candidate for a possible Rosh Chodesh, the moon did not appear, they wanted to say that it did appear, so that way it would work out that the first day of Pesach would be on a Shabbat, and the second day would be on a Sunday, and that would fit with the calendar of the Baitosim. That's the, uh, that's the way that Rashi explains it, but they extended it, um, they extended it to, uh, uh, all in all cases, even though that's the main motive that they had, they, the they wanted to undermine the system in general, and therefore the uh, therefore the they made this rule of verifying the witnesses for all cases, not only for the case of Nisan, but even in other circumstances as well. They uh, they might have wanted to undermine and to chip away at the uh, at the rabbi's system of doing kiddush chodesh, and so therefore they made the system of verification of two witnesses having to uh, basically testify as to the credentials of any witness who was going to be accepted for Kiddush HaChodesh matters.